The very first World Series of Board Gaming is taking place next year, September 2022, in Las Vegas. And Roll for Crit is giving you the chance to participate. All you have to do is rate and review the Roll for Crit podcast on iTunes. Then send us an email to rollforcrit at gmail.com with the subject line WSBG Contest confirming that you left said review. On November 11th, we'll be choosing one random winner to receive a $250 coupon code good for a one-ring event ticket to the championship. Or you can use that code to upgrade to a multi-event package. This could be your moment. Don't let it slip through your fingers. Full details at rollforcrit.com contest. Welcome to the Roll for Crit podcast, your number one resource in the podcast world for board game news, card games, role-playing games, tabletop games of all kind. We're going to discuss news, things we've been playing, and things to look forward to in the future. My name is Jonathan Estes. I'm Will Keeler. And speaking of looking forward to, let's take a quick moment to talk about this weekend. We're going to be streaming for quite some time because it's Extra Life. And as we've been doing for... I feel like almost most of the years we've been doing Roll for Crit. This is our uh, seventh year. Seventh year. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be streaming <laughs> lots of fun board games together. We will That's be together right. this year. Yes. Extra Life, for anyone who doesn't know, is a great organization. They uh, raise money for children's hospitals. And so we're going to be streaming and trying to raise donations. You can donate as well. Uh, if you go to rollforcrit.com slash extra life, you'll see the details. But that's this Saturday, November 6th at uh, noon Eastern time, but we'll be going. I don't know if we're going to do a full 24 hours. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we call it early, <laughs> but we'll it really depends on like who's around. Sometimes it, yeah. people, there are sometimes <laughs> people keep watching. Sometimes not as much. Sometimes someone in our group is like, you're doing 24 hours, whether you like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that'll be exciting because as you alluded to last year, we were not able to be together in person. So this will be our first stream like this in two years. Mm-hmm. So it'll be it should it should be fun. Will, will this yeah. be our first stream this year together? Have we? Uh, or at least it's been a while person, since we've done even a regular in yeah. person. Yeah, probably. Probably like not not even like extra life. I'm trying yeah. to think of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes we play video games online, but that's otherwise that's about <laughs> it. All right, now uh, before we get into the show proper, we are going to join in on the continuing adventures of our show mascot, Roland F. Criterion, who, for anyone who hasn't kept up, is a new addition to the show and is our adventurer born from Dungeons & Dragons, who has all kinds of crazy crazy adventures that he has to go through that are going to help us decide how the show is going to go in some roundabout way. Uh, And last week, he was scared off by a spooky ghost in a haunted house because it was Halloween. This week, to get out of that spooky house... He has leapt through a window thinking he would land in a nice soft pile of leaves, Assassin's Creed style, but discovers at the last second that he's falling into a pit trap full of deadly spikes. Now, you may think that this is certain doom for our hero, Roland Criterion, but luckily we have a guest this week who's going to try to help us out. Joining our party, our guest is the brand ambassador for Thunderworks Games, a studio behind titles such as Role Player and Cartographers and Cape May. We are welcoming to the show Tim Vernig. Hey, Tim, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys? We are doing well, at, doing well. As, yes, doing great, as you can hear. But now you need to help us decide how... Roland is going to manage to get out of this jam. How is he going to avoid falling into this pit? All right. So let's see. So uh, Roland, uh, I don't know the backstory about Roland. Tell me uh, what, what is his uh, class? 
I'm glad you asked. Now, Roland is an Osimar bard, so his mm. uh, he's he's more skilled with music and poetry than with okay. a weapon. <laughs> and uh, what is his uh, his his instrument of choice? Well, that's a good question. He's got a few. It's he's got a hand drum, a pan flute, and a song horn. <laughs> okay, great. Okay, I got it. So. Here's, I mean, as any good bard in D&D, he is uh, probably not extremely uh, proficient at playing his instrument. It probably hurts some ears, but that doesn't stop him from playing it. Uh, I'm going to guess what he's going to do is he's going to grab his pan flute and he's going to fill his lungs up extra full. So he'll take a very, very deep breath. And he's going to blow in that pan flute so hard that he's going to lift off the ground as if he's a hovercraft as that air is coming out of that pan flute. And he'll just float right up and completely avoid the the, the pit by just flying right over it. This I like is, it. I, yeah. <laughs> Un- unbelievable. I, yeah. I guess this would, be, would this be a constitution? Like holding your breath? <laughs> we have a uh, Probably, yes. That's that just being able to blow that hard, sustain it. And for everyone else, it's probably going to be a constitution check too to save from the terrible sound that is coming out of that pan flute because it's like every note at once at like full volume. You could just imagine what that sounds like. Hey, yeah. maybe if he does well enough, he'll, he'll scare away the ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. All right. So we'll go ahead and roll that D20. Let's see. Let's see how this goes. Wow. Okay. So he was very smart to do this. Almost so close to a crit, but a 19. Wow. All right. A 19. Fantastic roll. I think this definitely gives him enough enough power, enough force <laughs> to get himself out of there. We'll let all the listeners roll their own checks to see how they fare with the, uh, with the after effects. His, uh, uh, his, his new nickname is Zamfir. For, for any of, <laughs> of you who are fans of the pan flute, you'll, you'll get the reference. All right, all, all the all the pan flute fans out there, <laughs> we have we have hundreds of those who listen to this show. Well, yeah, I think it's official now. We we he now is going to get titles from our guests. Yeah, <laughs> so he's got he's got at least one. Uh, so that was very exciting. This bodes well for the rest of the show. I also want to open things up to any listeners uh, starting from here on out. If anyone has suggestions for the types of adventures you think Roland should be forced to endure in future episodes. Go ahead and email them to us. Uh, you can use our meeple gallery at gmail.com address. We'll put that in the show notes. That'd be a lot of fun. But now we'll get on with the actual show. We have so many things to discuss. We will begin with the news roundup. News roundup. So we are talking about the news that has been happening in the board game world in the past week, starting off with a pretty weird story in my opinion so there's a board game publisher called yellow uh they're responsible for probably a lot of games that that people know i think maybe king of tokyo might be their most high profile release but they have plenty of titles that people are going to be familiar with and they are a french based company but of course they have branches uh in other regions of the world to publish and localize their games uh, significantly, at least for us doing this podcast, the United States, where we are located. And they have announced, the French branch of Yellow has announced that they are terminating their agreement 
effective by the end of this year with the USA branch of Yellow. They have not given the reason why. It's According to their statement, it says they reserve the right to communicate at a later date the reasons that led to these decisions. So presumably they will be telling us later on. We're, we're not 100% sure. Uh, now, the, the U.S. branch of Yellow is at least in part uh, run by uh, Stefan Brissot, who has had some controversial uh, stories surrounding him in the last few years. But so there's some speculation that maybe it has to do with some of that stuff, which we can maybe get into. But Tim, I'm glad you're here because you are in the industry and I, I'm sure you've in some way dealt with uh, you know, localization and different shipping your game to different regions and all this kind of business that comes along with the territory of publishing games. What, what do you make of this story for Yellow? Is this surpri as surprising and strange to you as it is to me? Or do you have maybe some more insight into the underworkings of this thing? Well, I wish that I had some inside uh, information that I could share with you. And I'll just tell you that uh, from the publishing standpoint, uh, the, the business part of it can often be um, just as confusing as a, a bad rule book. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's hard to say. My only speculation about this is, and I, I would differ from you, I don't think it has anything to do with any of the the players in the game. I think it has a lot to do with just uh, being able to localize titles. So I think by just cutting ties, I think what they're going to do is just allow Yellow USA and Yellow France to sort of separate out into two different uh, factions, if you will, and just be able to publish separately. That may have to do with supply chain issues. It might have to do with licensing. It might have to do with um, shipping. I, I don't think that um, it necessarily uh, is anything more nefarious than that. I could be wrong, um, but that's my guess. And it's not unusual for uh, companies to have, you know, separate divisions based on the continent or country. Um, why they're separating might be purely financial. But again, all speculation on my part. I don't know anything uh, that, that you don't. Yeah, I, I think that I I, you, I think I'm pretty convinced of what you're saying. My my guess is that it is mostly business reasons. Uh, but the thing that surprises me about this is that I mean, as someone who you know, my focus is how the games play, and I don't always uh, I'm not always as up to date on the behind the scenes uh, business decisions and things like that. I, I don't know that I would have even realized that like Yellow USA and Yellow France are such separate entities that they can cut ties. And I'm wondering now what is going to happen to the American branch of Yellow if they don't have the rights to publish some of the bigger games that come out of the French department. Will, what, what do you think about you know, yellow as a, as a publisher, like, like, does this affect them as, as of right now, their website, by the way, uh, has been kind of, you can like sign up for their newsletter, but their website has been, it's not up right now fully. So it does seem like they're going through some kind of restructuring reacting to this news. I, I think Tim is right. I think it has to do more with the, with the rules, so to speak. I mean, I remember like someone brought like the previous person had a problem at a uh, Gen Con before. I forget what it was, but I don't remember being like the kind of thing I would think would end a career, I guess. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, but like, I know like there's, when it comes to businesses, there's so much weird stuff, especially the bigger their business is to be like, all right, we're going to do like a smaller thing here or a thing here because this works, especially even in the United States be like, well, this state has this rule. So we're going to do this thing here. Some of it may be shadier than others. And I do know that like, we just had the whole, and I don't know if it even matters or not, but the whole like, uh, thing going through Congress or the house, like it seems like it's finally been agreed upon and maybe they're like, okay, so now that we know what's going on, we're going to close this branch and now go through this. Cause this is the more cost effective way. What, what thing is going through Congress? The, like no the, the, the new it's, it, it's the whole thing of like, um, like environmental costs and what taxes we're going to, the, the whole, uh, I, I forget what they, they called it with the, it's mostly through the Democrat party right now. It's not heavy. even like, gone past them okay but it's pretty much on a bunch of uh, it would have been a bunch of additions to taxes and like also benefits so it's the kind of thing like uh, some maybe some major rules changes in the u.s the u.s sphere and the only reason i even think of that is because this involves the north american branch yeah i mean i i just don't even like is there do you think there's is there a future where yellow is publishing and responsible for just entirely different game. I mean, I guess that's what this is. Like they're completely divorcing themselves from each other that, but they share the same name still. <laughs> so isn't it like a kind of confusing? Yeah. That's, that once again, I don't know if it's going to be like, they're going to just get yellow North America, like quote unquote, sl- like let it die or sleep. And then they're just like, yeah, we're just going to have asthma day, publish our games in America or something, or it's still have the yellow <laughs> symbol, you know, right. like, I don't think it, this is going to be like, I don't, I don't, I don't think this is like the, you should get really worried, get all your, your uh, King of Tokyo stuff now while you can. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm sure for certainly for those popular games, they're going to, they're going to find a way to, cause I, I have to imagine that whatever the reason this is and financial, it may be, I can't imagine that their games weren't selling well enough in America. Maybe I'm wrong, but maybe that's, a fa- I don't, it doesn't seem like that would be maybe, but I mean, I don't think last, I don't think they're at this year, Gen. But I mean, Gen Cons before, they tend to have a relatively larger booth. Uh, no, they were at Gen Con this year. Yeah, we uh, saw them. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, you know, they, they I, I assume well booth size tends to be <laughs> you. You put that much money in because you you're making money there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Perhaps. Perhaps. So. Uh, this is strange. I don't know. It's strange to me. Uh, it's. I'm very curious to find out what these reasons are and if and when. It's interesting to me too that, like they said, they it, they ind- they implied that they will be telling us why they're doing this, but for some, but not yet. Some legal reason, I assume they don't think it's in their interest to talk about it just yet. Maybe it's because they formed a new partnership with a different company, I guess, that they don't were not ready to disclose. That's again, just total speculation, but they're renaming themselves a rebrand completely into just King of. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, a name that uh, uh, is, is spelled like it sounds. <laughs> no, 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 no. It still has a really unique spelling. It's like C E uh, yeah. two M's. Yeah. Yeah. The, all, most of the letters are silent. 
Yeah. So uh, we, we, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll find out hopefully sometime in the near future. I mean, officially, this takes place uh, December 31st. So up until then, at least, they'll be selling these things. So I don't know. I don't know how long I imagine they have knew about this before we did <laughs> here in the US, but I don't know if they're frantically trying to sell out the rest of their stock right now before they no longer are allowed to. It must be a strange, turbulent time to be a yellow USA employee, I imagine. I really I really wonder like what is going on <laughs> behind the scenes there uh, and what their reactions are to this. Well, if anyone, anyone, any yellow employees listening, feel free to reach out to us. They're not going to. Um, okay, so th- that's one strange legal thing that's that's going on. Uh, but as often happens in the world of board games, it is not the only one that is occurring. There was also the issue of a lawsuit between ACD Distribution, who is a games distributor that uh, has a bunch of games they sell to different retailers and so forth, uh, and Wizards of the Coast, who of course we know as publishers of Magic the Gathering, and there was a big disagreement between them when Wizards of the Coast, once again talking about terminating agreements, no longer decided they wanted to work with ACD, have them sell their products. ACD did not like this choice, argued that uh, it was unfair to them, and in fact went ahead and sued Wizards of the Coast, and they've gone through all kinds of multiple trials where they uh, had lost, they appealed, and now officially uh, it has been ruled against them. They have to pay all of Wizards of the Coast's court fees for the case, which in this instance is around two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So we've you know we've talked a lot about Wizards of the Coast and distribution deals and what it means to be able to sell magic the gathering whether you're a store or a distributor that having that wizards of the coast relationship can be really important uh tim what is your take on this story knowing what you know in regards to distribution uh and how how these kinds of deals operate do you do you guys work with uh through acd i assume you do maybe or maybe not uh, well, we, we do. Um, ACD is actually located locally to us here in Wisconsin. So uh, it's just in our neighborhood, so to speak. So um, I, I think this comes down to the fact that Wizards of the Coast realizes that uh, these distribution deals are very, very profitable. And my understanding is that they're trying to do more of the distribution themselves and trying to um, sign exclusivity deals with distributors that's has happened with other publishers um where a a, a a distributor will will take over an entire um line of a company and just be the sole distributor for for retail uh shops um i know it's a huge loss to acd and um you know two hundred and fifty thousand dollars just in legal fees alone is is no small uh, piece of change, especially coming out of uh, a year that was challenging in terms of um, distribution and because of staffing, because of the pandemic, supply chain issues, shipping, all the rest of that stuff. Um, so that certainly is going to be a big hit to them. And just in terms of the percentage of sales that uh, Wizards of the Coast products take up, I mean, Magic the Gathering, um, D&D, all that stuff, that's a 
that's a giant chunk of change. So it, it's certainly going to have a big impact on them. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I, I'm a, uh, you know, a, a user of their products. So, I mean, I enjoy what Wizards of the Coast puts out, um, but uh, they are certainly a big, a big powerhouse. So they're, they're the giant and uh, um, ACD isn't, uh, you know, small potatoes, but it is certainly smaller than um, Wizards of the Coast. So it, it seems to me a bit of, um, I don't know, perhaps, perhaps some, some bad, uh, bad move to to try to cut cut out a company that's uh has been distributing and selling their products to retailers for a very long time so one would wonder if without a company like acd and other distributors would um, wizards of the coast have grown as big as it is um mm. so are they kind of cutting out the middleman uh at the expense of the of the little guy if you will yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's like these two titans, but one titan is more of an underdog <laughs> than the other titan for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I have to imagine that they took into account the costs they might have to pay, but decided it was worth fighting for because of just how much is on the line here. As yeah. you said, not being not being able to sell magic, it's you know that's. Like that's a that's a big blow, and this yeah. was um, we've seen this happen too. I thought it maybe it was Wizards of the Coast, or was it maybe I'm just thinking of Asmo Day because I know there were some exclusive deals made through um, what, what are they called Alliance was the as yeah. another big distributor. That's another another big distributor. That's exact. That's the one I was referring to without uh, specifically naming them. But um, I mean, yeah. the, see the the thing that was at stake uh, with ACD being in Wisconsin is there is a law in Wisconsin called the Wisconsin Fair Dealership Law, and uh, ACD thought that they stood pretty firmly in the right um, because it it allows. Um, uh, suppliers or distributors in this case um, and manufacturers, there's some rules that govern how they work together and their dealership agreement and so forth. And I think they believed that um, they had a good uh, shot at winning the case because it, they uh, wizards of the coast was violating that. I'm not a lawyer. I really don't understand uh, all the ins and outs of it, but I assume that there were some, pretty uh, smart lawyers that were making some decisions, but unfortunately, you know, in all court cases, there's a winner and a loser. And uh, in this case, the uh, ACD came out as, as the loser. Um, Wizards of the Coast, I'm sure will uh, not even uh, um, really even bat an eye. They'll just, they'll just keep selling magic cards and uh, all the rest of the stuff. Right. $250,000. That's a, that's a, like about a, an hour's worth of magic cards sold for them. I don't know. Pretty much. You know, it's, it's like what four of those Pokemon cards that we talked about the other week. <laughs> yeah. 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 We, we need to get a, a past guest, Sarah Shaw back on the show for her, for legal expertise. But for now uh, we just have what, what we know. What, what's your take on this? Will? well, I mean, I can definitely see them going the exclusive route and that's because they usually get paid more. But I think that would be a terrible idea considering just how, in general, I mean, like how important it is we talked about getting magic cards into your store. So making it only one distributor makes it very annoying, regardless of who it is. And in terms of the idea of like, oh, we'll distribute ourselves. 
I'm just going to point out now, ask any magic player who's ordered a secret lair and ask if they've gotten it yet. Uh, I think they're like a year behind. So magic already has a sort of a bad record of actually delivering on their product themselves. Well, and let's not forget the real, the real losers I think in this are going to be the retailers, the stores, because remember wizards of the coast produces the product. ACD distributes it to retailers and then, of course, retailers sell it to us as consumers. The ones who are going to really lose out are going to be the retailers who really rely on um, getting those uh, boxes in for uh, new releases. And uh, depending on how this plays out, it could be that that's harder to get. I mean, having fewer distributors distributing product is going to mean that it's going to be it take longer or harder yeah. to get it. Um, so just in terms of regionally, um, ACD supplying to, you know, most of the Midwest, as opposed to, um, some, somebody who's down, uh, South, Southeast is, it's a different, uh, distribution channel. So in the end, the poor retailers who are having, you know, the customers line up, uh, for Friday night magic, expecting to get uh, new releases and they're just not there. That's, that's going to be a problem, I think. No, absolutely. And, and even though like, yeah, multiple place, uh, not multiple, uh, retailers will off could have more than one distributor. That's usually done as a backup because sometimes like there'll be, guess what? I know you wanted 10 boxes of, of, uh, the new uh, set coming out. You're getting two or we couldn't get you the promos. Maybe you could go to then eight, uh, to another one, but cutting out another one makes things very worrisome. For a product that in particular, you know, when it comes to trading cards, time is of the essence for a lot of things because you want to get those cards for your tournaments, uh, the promos and stuff, getting your hands on them. And if you can't get them in time, you can leave a really sour taste in uh, the consumers uh, and the consumer as well as the retailer because th they feel bad if you're like, I'm sorry, I couldn't get you the, the buy a box promo that should be coming with your box. And then come, especially now. You know, we're we're entering into the holiday season where we're already being told things are going to be hectic. So yeah. it's a little bit scary. Yeah. Yeah. I do think overall it's a pretty negative thing. And it's it's, you know, clearly for if you're a big business of this size and you can afford to throw your weight around and, uh, you know, make these exclusive deals, it's probably good for your bottom line. But it, I do agree it hurts retailers and ultimately consumers uh, in, in worst case scenarios. And there aren't a ton of board game distri distribution centers or distributing companies uh, out in America. Like, the, you know, there, there's there's a handful, but the more and more they seem to be specializing. And I I don't think it's that it's the best thing in the long run for for most of these for, for most people who are playing the games, except for the ones at the top <laughs> making this money. It just means yeah. that next time you want to play Friday Night Magic, you're going to have to head down to your local Target and then get kicked <laughs> out. Uh, yeah, that that, that uh, could actually be true. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm going to be headed down to Wawa for a Pokemon tournament. All right. <laughs> so um, remember when Wizards did Pokemon? That was, oh, that's probably a whole thing. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, another weird legal thing, but uh, we do have at least one news story this week that's that's just a fun announcement that maybe we can all get excited about uh, from Garphill Games. Am I? Is it? It's Gar Garphill, or is it like a Phil Garphill? I don't. I don't actually know. Uh, but anyway, they're the publishers. Uh, people probably know of uh, Paladins of the West Kingdom and all those. 
that series of games. And they have announced their newest trilogy that they are calling the South Trilogy, a new set of three games uh, that are scheduled to come out one a year starting in 2022 through 2024. And they're calling it the South Trilogy. Each one will be blank of the South Tigris, as in the Tigris River, famous for, of course, uh, Tigris and Euphrates, the board game. So uh, some more love for that region and the board game hobby. The first one that's coming is called Wayfarers of the South Tigris that's going to be on Kickstarter next year. And all three of these games are take place in this region of the world. Uh, the, this one is in, in Baghdad and has to do with uh, a, a lot of the uh, things that were invented or discovered there during the ninth century. There's going to be uh, stuff about astronomy and uh, religion and all kinds of different aspects of the culture in that area at that time. Uh, it's going to be a dice placement game. Everyone has their own board and they're uh, placing dice, manipulating dice to take different actions. Uh, they also said they want to focus a little more on player interaction. So in this one, it sounds like there's going to be some way for players to kind of uh, make deals with each other or like pay each other for use of their spots or workers. And Again, there's two other ones. We know the most about Wayfarers, but the other two are coming in the years to follow. Tim, are you a, are you a fan of these uh, trilogies? This is the second or third trilogy, maybe, from these uh, designers. Uh, are you looking forward to, to Wayfarers? Yeah, I mean, basically anything that Shem Phillips and Sam McDonald do is gold. I mean, their stuff is great. I mean, there's some that I like better than others. So there's two sets of trilogies. The, the first was the North Sea one. That was uh, Shipwrights, Raiders, and Explorers. And then the second was the West Kingdoms, which was Architects, Paladins, and Viscounts. And then this is the the third. So uh, the, the, the South Tigris, um, I think these look exciting. The, the artwork is amazing. It's the same artist um, whose name I won't even try to pronounce my apologies. Um, uh, but great artwork. Um, and I think it's going to be uh, great games. And, and apparently there's um, another one uh, right after it. <laughs> so they've already got games lined up into like 25, 26, 27. Um, they'll continue to move east, uh, apparently. Um, and uh, I, I'm excited to, to, to see them. Um, and I, I think they're going to be, they're going to be very well received. Um, and certainly a, a, a theme that we, we haven't really seen a lot of, I think it's, uh, it's great that they're, they're going to explore that as well. So. Yeah. It's really fascinating the way each of these games, uh, takes the historic, uh, nature of the themes into account and builds it into, in our, all the ones that I've played at least very strong, solid Euro games, uh, Will, what do, you, what, what do you think? Which I don't know how much of these you uh, you saw, or any, which of these sound maybe more interesting to you, or Wayfarers in particular. If there's something you'd be excited to see this uh, series do, I mean, a big fan of the previous ones, so I guess I have high hopes for these. I like this idea of trilogies in different areas, and yeah. I didn't watch the video and the but the top comment on the. YouTube video that with the announcement at least answered the seemed to answer the question I was worried about being like, it seems that they actually did research in this area and stuff. It's not just like, oh, we're just gonna yoink, you know, <laughs> take yeah. and paste uh, the cultural the, appropriation the culture. issues and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So uh, that's, I, I, at least I'm hoping that's still good. Uh, like I said, I haven't watched the video, so I cannot confirm if they said that or not. But it is a like long said, video, so I don't blame you. <laughs> uh, high hopes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's not like, it's not another, the same nights that we're used to. And I, um, once again, solid game systems. And I like this idea of the, uh, I mean, good things come in threes, so. <laughs> yeah, I really like the way they talked about Wayfarers, at least how it has this, you know, um, like ancient, I don't know if ancient is the right word, but the old times <laughs> setting. But because you're dealing with like telescopes and things, there's also a lot of artwork of space and stars and planets, which I think is kind of a fun, interesting contrast. I will say for me, it's almost, there's something almost overwhelming to me of of being like, as you said, they've announced there are six games in the future <laughs> coming from this company, one a year. Yeah. And they're all like, you know, based on their track record, pretty relatively meaty, heavy strategic games. It's almost intimidating to me. Like, man, I, I don't know if I'm going to have the, <laughs> if I got to have the time, uh, the, the budget and the, uh, the, uh, intelligence <laughs> to, to play these games. But, but I, like you guys, I think they're all, I'm very happy that they've had so much success with the, with the series. And it's, it's exciting that they have these, these ideas and that they're going to be taking them all the way into these plans in the future. It's almost like seeing the sketch out for a, like this next slate of upcoming Marvel movies. They're, they're right. like planning out their universe. Well, what I, what I like the best about the way that uh, Garpil does the games is that the series always starts with one that's sort of on the lighter side, a little simpler. And then as the trilogy goes on, those titles become a little bit more complex. So, um, and they develop one kind of, off of the other, both thematically and mechanically. Um, so I, I think we should expect that Wayfarers will will be very similar to their other uh, first titles in the series, uh, like Shipwrights or Architects. It's going to be a, a little bit simpler, a little bit more uh, on the lighter Euro side, and then builds up as uh, as the, the games get released. Yeah. Um, Tim, do you have a favorite of the of the series? Uh, well, that's kind of hard. It's, it's like picking, uh, your favorite, uh, um, Star Wars episode, but, uh, <laughs> I, uh, which by the way, uh, oh no, I won't, I, I was going to pick one, but, uh, -oh. uh, no, I would, I, we, um, we don't want to start that much controversy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, 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 between the North Sea trilogy and the West Kingdoms trilogy, I, I would say I like the North Sea better, but it's hard to say if that was just because it was the first and it was kind of innovative at the time, but, um, I would say probably Raiders of with the North Sea trilogy. I would say Raiders was my favorite. All right, all right. Mark that one down, folks. If you haven't if you haven't played one, mm -hmm. uh, check that one out. Okay, so we will find Wayfarers uh, launching on Kickstarter twenty twenty two, and I guess it sounds like they're also hoping to release it next year. But of course, with shipping and everything, uh, there may be delays. So we'll just have to keep an eye out for it. I, I think that's the only thing that uh, you can count on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, death taxes and Kickstarter delays. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Uh, all right. Hey, speaking of, let's talk about some crowdfunding action in the Kickstarter Pickstarter segment. Oh, this one looks uh, nice. It's nice. It's nice. What about this one? Kickstarter. Pickstarter. A lot of interesting projects launching in various crowdfunding sites this week. Tim, I am wondering. Is there something that you have backed as of late? You, you are, of course, someone who mm -hmm. 
has dealt with projects on Kickstarter firsthand. But when it comes <laughs> to games that other people are making, is there anything you're you're looking at right now? Well, I'm I'm sure you know there are a ton of uh, games out in uh, crowdsource right now. Um, the one that really has caught my eye probably the the most um, is uh, Steam Up um, from uh, Hot Banana Games. Um, it's I think I think it's got about a week more to go, so it's been running for a, a, a couple of weeks already, but as well past. Um, it's funding goal. It's, it's exceeding expectations. Um, Steam up the, what catches me the most about it is it's a, uh, competitive game about, um, uh, making dim sum. So if you're familiar with, uh, Chinese dim sum, the, um, where you go and get all these small dishes out of, uh, these, um, steam, uh, sort of steam racks or, or, or steam bowls, uh, made out of bamboo, um, and the game has the, these little miniature um, bamboo steamer racks in it and um, the little uh, the, the different kinds of food in it. Uh, it just caught my eye. Uh, I lived in Asia for a period of time uh, many years ago, so I'm a big fan of uh, um, uh, Chinese cooking and, and dim sum in particular. Um, so this one, I think, really, really looked exciting and fun. And I've been following it since the designer's um, started previewing it a few months ago, actually a little bit longer than that, but, uh, there, there, uh, a couple of, uh, new designers from, uh, from Canada, um, Pauline and Marie, uh, really, really great, uh, design. So I think this is one that definitely people should check out. Um, I think it's from, uh, the beginning of November. I think it, it ends, uh, like November 10th or something like that. So, um, if, depending on when this episode drops better go check it out quick. Yeah. There should be just about a week left when the, when the episode comes out. But uh, yeah, this was uh, uh, our guest Tim Chewin's pick a couple weeks back too. So yes. this is a lot of people looking. I mean, it is, it is adorable. And while I have uh, not lived in Asia like you, I also love dim sum. And every time we, I look at this game, I, I get a little hungry. So <laughs> yeah, that's actually a, a very difficult part for it. Cause I don't have any good dim sum place. So if I had this, I'd be like, <laughs> Oh, I want some. There's nothing near. <laughs> I'm me. sure there's one near you. There's there's good. Yes, ones but here. I'd have to hunt it down before we play anymore. <laughs> like I had to have some prepared. Well, this is and of course when I take them, you can you can <laughs> maybe you yeah to actually get it, but you can you know you just you can eat with your eyes, uh, um, <laughs> and uh, you know all those all the the uh, the dim sum specialties. Uh, of my favorite being the the Phoenix Claw, which of course is. Um, just another name for a chicken foot, um, which if you've never had it, uh, is looks terrible, um, but is delicious. So definitely worth, worth trying. But even if you can't get the real thing, um, you can eat the Phoenix claw in the game. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. It should come with a little cookbook or something to, uh, <laughs> accompany the game. Yeah. I, I'm very, I don't know about you guys. I'm very susceptible to food imagery. If someone's eating something in a TV show, I, I want what they're eating. <laughs> so, uh, this, this game would be tough for me to play. So, uh, then how'd you feel about silence of the lambs? I mean, I don't get me started. <laughs> Some go for it. Look delicious. Uh, so uh, yeah, steam up a game, a feast of dim sum. It's up there for another week. That's uh, forty eight dollars for the standard edition USD. All right, Will. How about you? You've been looking at the kickstarters this week. You got a pick? Yeah, uh, an interesting one I've been looking at is as I 
I'm going to butcher here. Do your uh, best. I think it's Jiangnan Life of Gentry. All it's right. a uh, it's a worker placement game where you are artists and you have to like place your work around to collect these tiles, which you actually have two actions to get different resources. So you have to decide which one you want. You also have to control these boats because they'll tell you how like whoever has the most control there will tell you will get to decide like what's useful, like what's going to score a lot of points and stuff. So it looked like a really interesting game there. It's by actually a Taiwanese designer who I will not. I already tried a bad butchering the name. I won't go for a uh, butchering the name of the game. I won't go for butchering the name of the designer. <laughs> That's kind of you. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, to me, it's interesting and partly because it's from not your usual German designer. <laughs> um, and the idea of this sort of worker and comboing with different pieces it was something that caught my attention. Yeah, I mean, it's, you've got you've got bag building. That's the that's I feel like that's one of the hot uh, <laughs> mechanics these days. We've moved on from deck building. Now we want to build bags. Uh, but yeah, we always appreciate a, a game with a different kind of a a theme and style to it. Now we've got our two Kickstarter picks uh, out of Asia, or so. Well, I, I was just going to mention that uh, titles from Taiwan, there are some really great designers and publishers in Taiwan. Um, and a lot of those titles don't make it to the U.S. And some really innovative design. I don't know if you're familiar with um, uh, Jackie's uh, YouTube channel, Show Me How to Win. But uh, a, a little over a year ago, pre-pandemic, pre, uh, she did a series where she went over to Taiwan and interviewed uh, Taiwanese publishers and uh, game designers and some really, really cool looking stuff uh, from Taiwan. So I think it's great to see uh, that some of these titles are making their way uh, to us in North America. Yeah, yeah. I actually own a, a Taiwanese game called Taiwan Monsters Brawl. Uh, one of the, the few games I have there from there. So I'm excited to see more. Uh, just in general, board games have come out because... Well, one of the reasons why I picked up that game was like, I know nothing about these things. <laughs> and it's from, you know, it's actually designed around them. So it was very curious. So then another reason why this, like I said, this caught my eye. Yeah. So that is uh, like you, I don't know how to say it, but Jiangnan, I imagine it's maybe it's pronounced with like a, like an, like a Jiang, Jiangnan, Jiangnan. I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, Life of Gentry. We'll put a link to it so you don't have to spell it or anything. You'll just be able to click on it. And that one is for $65 right now to get the uh, standard edition of the game. Uh, uh, let's see. I guess I will talk about, I, I guess, the one that I'm more interested in, most interested in this week. Kind of a kind of an almost like a cheat. It's just an easy pick for me is the Mothership first edition boxed set role playing game. Mothership. We talked about this last week, didn't yeah, we? we? Yeah, we've talked about it. Was the week last week or the week before? It just came up uh, in a different conversation. Uh, but this is a sci-fi horror RPG from Tuesday Night Games, and it, it essentially is a originally was a zine, uh, so just a small little paperback book with a bunch of modules that you could throw in there. And as the title says, sci-fi horror, definitely alien inspired, but has lots of different 
cool, weird, creepy influences from different areas of horror and science fiction. And players are just trying to survive uh, getting stress. And the more stress you have, it'll cause worse effects to happen to you. And you can do some really neat things with it. But, you know, up until now, it was pretty um in in some areas it was underdeveloped because it was just these short little books and now they're doing this box set with a full expanded version of the player's guide as well as for the first time a warden's guide so uh, essentially your gm uh, guide uh, plus repackaging of uh, some of the different modules if you don't have those and they've talked a lot about the different improvements they're making to it uh, making combat a little bit simpler and easier uh, one of the things i like is there's no level system in this instead the more stress that you get you can later rest and you actually get to spend your stress to gain new skills and abilities and i think that sounds really intriguing but we've played a little bit of the of the original edition and uh, it's it's cool and it's weird and there's a lot of stuff I, even in the modules that i have we haven't explored that's just it just has a great aesthetic to it and design just looking at the books because it's very I don't know how to just it, it almost looks like you would expect a manual to look like like from the movie Alien. You know, it has that 70s uh, retro old school kind of simple look to it that I think is fun. And, and uh, uh, yeah. just the monochromatic black and white mm. line drawing Um that that style is is pretty cool, and I was just looking at the list of uh, um, inspirations and uh, looking at this list. It's all like great movies, Event Horizon and Alien, of course, and uh, even the more kind of uh, moody uh, space movies like Solaris. Um, oh yeah. yeah, that looks definitely definitely looks like uh, one. I mean, this is really the future of uh, RPGs. Really, these indie RPGs with very rule light uh systems not bloated with lots of uh you know dice rolling but just really into the the story and uh kind of the the atmosphere of um the role playing and i think i i really like that so this is definitely one i'm gonna have to check out yeah i yeah i mean when we played it i i mean i saw this in kickstarter i immediately knew i'm like all right that this has to be jonathan's pick there's no way this is not being mentioned this week (laughs) and uh, like for good reason and in particular also just in general i don't i just really think horror works really well in an rpg setting i think part of it is because when you're role-playing you know it's like uh you know how some horror movies are scary when they don't just show a a bunch of gore because you have to like picture what's going on yeah and this one, of course, like you said, I mean, it pulls inspiration from a lot of great movies and the system works is a lot more the mental stress. It's support. It's sort of like those kinds of decisions, not simply just I'm just going to put you in an annoying saw trap. <laughs> hmm. I want to be in a saw trap. That sounds fun, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree, of course, and agree with uh, what you said, Tim, about uh, indie RPGs. I think that's where you see so much cool stuff these days. And yeah, if you like any of those uh, types of sci-fi horror movies this is definitely one that you should try out uh the core set on this kickstarter right now uh, goes for 59 dollars, which includes a few different books uh, if you just want the digital edition uh, 29 dollars, or you can pay more for even more add-ons and things uh, and that's again mothership and then we got a actually there's one other rpg that i also want to mention because uh i think it's cool and that's called shanty hunters 
<laughs> Shanty Hunters is on Kickstarter. This is this is from uh, Tristan Zimmerman, who also designed this, uh, a few uh, some other indie RPGs that I have backed in the past, but actually haven't had the chance to play yet. But the idea of this one is that your sailors searching out uh, sea shanties. And you have to like discover sea shanties and they encourage you to sing at the table when you find them. So, oh no. <laughs> yeah. No, this is good. This, that's going to be a good one. So, I'm looking at that. Uh, that's called Shanty Hunters. But really, we have to discuss at least a little bit the, the monster of this week is not on Kickstarter, but on GameFound, the Elder Scrolls Skyrim board game Ooh, from wow. uh, Modifius which uh, has already uh, made uh, almost half a million dollars. And I mean, this is a giant game. They've they've finally repackaged Skyrim on the last system. It hasn't been out on yet, which is the tabletop. Actually, I think it already had an RPG. Oh, yeah, you're right. There was a miniatures game and an RPG. (laughs) So (laughs) fine. But this is a board game. It's still no, it's it it counts. It's different because. Yeah, that's all right. I don't need your pity for my failed joke. But yes, I don't know. It's 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 a huge big thing. And of course, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be fascinated by this. I I have not. I am one of the people who has never played Skyrim. I've never uh, I've not been as big on most Western RPGs, but I don't know. Anything yes. from the Elder Scrolls series? I played a little bit of um, whatever was before that Oblivion. But I was like so late to the party. I'd never really, I just never got into it that much. I mean, you pro, I played, I think maybe like a total of 10 minutes of Skyrim. <laughs> so, Tim, it falls to you. Are you a Skyrim <laughs> fan or is this uh, not exciting to you? Uh, this is not one that would jump out to me. I mean, I certainly was aware of it because, of course, it's like the, 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 the giant uh, crowdfunding game of the, of the month, maybe. Um, <laughs> But I mean, it's a you know big price to entry. But I would say uh, Modifius doesn't mess around. Their stuff is always uh, well produced, at good quality components. Um, and I would say if you if you're into Skyrim, then definitely this is something you should pick up. But uh, I think it's probably going to be one of those games that I wouldn't uh, back. But if somebody else does, I wouldn't say no to play it. Oh, of course, yeah. as long as they're <laughs> the ones who did I mean, exactly. <laughs> Definitely for anything with an interest. I will point out, at least for me, it's a small thing, but it's the kind of stuff that I like is uh, the enemies are not gray. <laughs> They're bright red. It's it's they a nice, it's a small red. thing. Uh, and apparently there's some ghost miniatures too. I assume those are ghosts. Yeah, the game, I haven't uh, looked too deep into it, but it looks interesting. It's not just like, you know, you could have just made kind of a generic miniatures tactics game or something, but it, it actually looks like there's an interesting Euro game at the heart of this thing which is cool. Uh, so that, that's Skyrim. Also, real quick, I, I'll, I also want to shout out that there's a new Monstrosity expansion, uh, a fun drawing party game we really liked, which uh, Shut Up and Sit Down worked on the and came up with some of the art, or at least the concepts for the art for the new monsters you have to try to draw in that game. So that's fun. If you haven't picked up Monstrosity yet, that's a, I think that seems like a fun way to go into it. All right. So that's all the stuff on Kickstarter this week that we're excited about. There's a lot of cool projects, but let's get to things we have been playing IRL, as the kids say, uh, in Table Talk. I don't know if I Table Talk. Table Talk. Table Talk. 
All right, Tim, you still with us? You didn't leave during that during that bumper? Uh, yeah, I was about ready to head out. <laughs> no, I'm okay. uh, glad yeah, I caught well, Time time to talk some some games on the table, not just the yes. stuff that we're we're chomping at the bits to get, but uh, actual games. So yeah, yes, a hundred percent correct. So we we're, we're going to start with you. I'm I'm very excited to hear about some of the things that you have been playing. So please yeah. start with uh, whatever is most exciting for you. Well, so when I play games, which I should, you know, be completely honest about, does not happen as much as you might think um, with with work and everything else. Uh, gaming time uh, often is uh, relegated to playtesting um, more than it is actually playing games. So we, we do try, we have a, a weekly game group that gets together at the, the Thunderworks Games Warehouse and, and we play try to play some stuff. Um, the one that we've been playing quite a bit recently was uh, playing through the campaign game Sleeping Gods from Red Raven Games. Um, I mean, I'm sure everybody's seen it. Uh, uh, Red Raven yeah. and Ryan Lockett, uh, great, great designer, great artist, a great graphic designer, does everything pretty much uh, himself. Um it was more kind of research because, of course, uh, it compared very much to our new campaign game, Role Player Adventures. Mm. Um, so we were playing through it to kind of get a sense of how it uh, compared and, um, um, you know, how we liked it side by side and uh, kind of being able to compare the, the the two games and the way that they play out uh, over the campaign. Um, and uh, I really I, I enjoyed it. Uh, um, I think. Um, it has some great uh, mechanism, mechanisms to um, challenge players. It's not easy. There was a, a lot of the, um, uh, you know, campaign uh, scenarios that we we failed. Um, but uh, overall, I think the story arc is is cool. Um, and uh, I mean, it's that artwork that uh, that Ryan Lockett does. It's amazing. I really love the characters and the universe that he's created, and it's. More of the same, just uh, like above and below, near and far. Um, you you see those those characters kind of appear again. So th- this is a game that I've, like most people, been pretty eager to play. We're still we're still waiting to get our hands on it. But yeah, I'm a little annoyed. It's currently in like limbo, pre order limbo. With <laughs> I don't know whether it's just like. I screwed up and they can't get it because they haven't really said much, but yeah, I'm sure supply issues, who knows? There's all kinds of things that might be at play here, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's our kind of game. I think from the, from the sounds of it, Uh, is it, how how does the campaign or narrative aspect of it work exactly? Is it something where the kind of game where you have a consistent group and play through together? Because I know it's meant to be kind of, I think the idea was it's more open-ended in some ways, but I'm not sure how that exactly works in practice. Yeah, it, it is. And you can add and subtract players uh, throughout the campaign. I think it it plays smoother if you have the same group. Um, I would say, um, so just honest uh, opinion on it, um, it has less of a linear narrative um, and more um, uh, episodic, I think, for, for it's probably a good word to use. Um, I, I would say that the stories from um, scenario to scenario connect, but um, it is sandboxy in that depending on where you go in the world, um, you'll have different kind of adventures, meet different characters. Um, but I, I would say you you don't have to um, 
have seen it all to to kind of to succeed, I guess, for for lack of a better way of saying it. Um, okay. So we, we we enjoyed it. Uh, I, I, sometimes the sandboxy nature of it uh, became a bit overwhelming um, because it just feels like you pretty much can sail anywhere that you want and uh, go to any island that you want. And uh, the encounters are, are of course um, different depending on where you go and the, the, the characters you have. Uh, but that can make it also very challenging because in some cases you can end up um, on a storyline that's much harder than you're prepared to, to deal with. So it can, it can get a little frustrating. Um, but I did like that it didn't feel too much like you just had to sort of go around collecting resources all the time, which sometimes sandbox games can feel like you're just, you, ha- you don't have enough stuff to survive. Um, but uh, overall, I, I would, I would say uh, I, I like what it did. Um, now, of course, I, I'm not going to lie. I think uh, role player adventures uh, does similar things. Uh, better, but you know, I'm obviously biased. So <laughs> understood. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do feel for me, a lot of the big issues I see sandbox games sort of, uh, at least for me personally, and I know for other people, this is a, a, a plus, but it seems because they know for the most part, I mean, there might be one out there, but they're cooperative that they have to make it they're like, we really need to make it so it's a huge challenge and stuff. But like when you play a sandbox video game, you could do that. But with a few clicks, you can put on like, look, I'm here just for the adventure. Yes. And I feel like that's a bit harder to do with a board game. Yeah, it is hard. You know, you can't make the cards just magically change. Yeah. <laughs> and they seem to err on the, the side of difficult with maybe like adding in, like I know for some, uh, seven, uh, Seventh continent. continent. Thank you. Yeah. I was about to say seven wonders. <laughs> yeah. Wrong seven. But they yeah. added like that totem card to make it so like if you were to die, you pretty much just can keep using that. Yeah. Or like um not exactly a sandbox game, but Lord of the Rings, Journeys of Middle Earth, they have like adventure mode where it basically just yeah. makes it you just have way more time to do everything. Well, I think that's where if you use an app or something, that's where it helps. Yeah. Because that you can just <laughs> then it like, is a video game. <laughs> It's kind of a cheat, and there there's no app in Sleeping Gods, uh, but and it's it's easy to maintain everything. Uh, the book is easy to find your way through, to find the different scenarios, to find the different encounters. Um, I, it 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 does a lot of really good things. So I I enjoyed it. It, it was a good experience, and um, I, I, I that's my my uh, barometer of a good game is when the the experience that everybody had at the table was enjoyable we we enjoyed playing it um and uh, it's overall it i it's i would definitely recommend it you're right it is very difficult to get your hands on uh, right now but i think that will probably start to fix itself going forward so yeah I'm sure we'll enjoy it when we can get it <laughs> yeah well yeah. so then when uh when i'm not really looking for uh a lo- uh, long campaign style game the other one that i'm getting out to the table a lot just just sheer fun is uh rallyman gt from holy grail games uh rallyman gt um released last year i think 2020 um was a uh, a redo of an earlier game called rallyman and uh, it is a racing game. Uh, it is Formula D, um, but uh, with a, a kind of press your luck 
kind of mechanism. So uh, you build a, um, a racetrack and uh, the, the book has all sorts of different racetracks that you can build with the um, uh, hexagon tiles. So you can kind of mix and match it to make your own or create one of the um, different uh, racetracks around the world. So it kind of has, you know, the racetrack in Japan or in France or different uh, um, places. Um, and then you use dice to, uh, to to set out your route, the way that you're going to drive. And there are different colored dice. Uh, so you, you kind of can increase your gear by um, indicating with the, the die whether you're going um, one, two, three, so on. Uh, there are white die that are coasting die uh, and then red die that are break die. So you have to obviously, as you're going around corners, you have to... Um, you know, downshift or break so that you don't uh, spin out. After you set up the die, uh, the dice in as many as you want, uh, depending on the um, type of tire that you're you're using and the car that you're using, you have a, a, a number of different die that you can use. Once you put them out, then you roll them and you can choose to do it one of two ways. You can roll them one at a time. And so as you roll it, there is a symbol on it that if you get that symbol, that means that there's uh, um, uh, something has happened, like a, a like an accident or or um, something's you know gone wrong with your gears. If you get a certain number of them, you spin out. So uh, you can roll them one at a time. So if you start to get close to that limit, you can stop and say, "Okay, I'll just stop right here um, and not go forward." Um, or you can roll all the dice going all in and if you do that, then you get some uh, tokens that let you, uh, uh, you know, kind of mitigate some of those bad di uh, dice rolls later. Um, it's just a great game to get uh, a group of people around the table and just have fun, right? It's just racing around the track. Everybody's getting excited. Um, any kind time you have a, a press your luck type game, there's always going to be somebody who just presses it too far and blows out a tire and spins off um, and everybody cheers because, you know, they, now they're going to race ahead. Um, it's just, it's I, I just need to ask. Fun. Yeah. If they blow out a tire, are you, is it player elimination? Are you out? No, you, you, uh, you start then off, uh, you, you end up off the board for one turn. Um, and then you, you will start back at uh, zero gear and you have to build back up. So it puts you behind, um, but you're not out of the game. So there's, there's, you know, chances are the person that's in the lead is eventually going to press their luck too far and end up stuck too. So, you know, you can still come from behind and win it. Ha I've seen it happen quite a few times. So yeah, I, I had to ask because mm -hmm. you mentioned formula D yes. <laughs> we played it a long time ago and I was one of the back cars starting and I'm like, all right, surely people are going to take the higher gear yeah. and most of the people in front of me were, were like we're gonna go nice and slow and easy so i crashed and died first <laughs> turn so i'm just sitting off on the side while everyone else is finishing the game uh, a little bit of a sour taste he's never he's never forgot it it's yeah. a good story <laughs> this this game i think encourages you to 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 push your luck um to try to go faster and so uh, everybody, uh, it, I've seen it there rarely does somebody just say, I'm going to play it safe and just go, uh, at the speed limit. Now this is, uh, you know, foot to the, to the floor, 
um, just going all out kind of game. So it, it's, it's just tons of fun. It's, it, there's not a, a ton of strategy. I mean, there's a little bit, but, um, mostly it's just, uh, just crazy fun, which sometimes you just need a game that's, uh, you know, kind of a, what do you, for, you know, whatever they call it, beer and pretzels type game, I guess. So, yeah, um, yeah. I think this is a great game for that. Uh, I think it's, um, a, an improvement over, over formula D it doesn't have, um, some of the other kind of like betting mechanics that some other of the uh, recent racing games have, but, um, I think it's just, a just a, a fun game all around for, um, you know, when you, when you want something just to, to, to get loud and crazy at the table. Yeah. I was going to say, um, I think the, the game that kind of replaced formula D for, for me was downforce. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and this, this sounds like a similar level of, uh, fun, maybe with a, a different type of mechanic, but I love, I'm, I'm looking at some of the pictures of people's racetrack setups and it looks like you can get pretty creative and fun with those. So, uh, and yeah, I enjoyed was, it so much. I decided to, to bling out my game and, uh, they did a, just did a Kickstarter, uh, for, uh, diecast metal cars. So I'm going to relive my childhood with hot wheels and uh oh, yeah have painted uh die cast metal cars instead of the plastic ones uh i think that's really gonna really improve the the game and uh, there's some expansions for it too where you can uh get some different rally cars um different types of cars which uh makes it fun too so that's awesome so that's rally man gt now i know you you, you probably can't talk to us a bit much about some of the stuff you've been play testing but any uh <laughs> any top secret hints or or clues about it, something coming up from thunderworks <laughs> well what i can tell you is that uh, we had a lot of uh uh big releases now this year this fall there of course they all just uh are starting to uh hit fulfillment and people are starting to get them so we're excited about that uh, but we weren't sleeping this year. We were hard at work uh, with stuff for 2022. Um, the one I can I can tell you about, which I don't think is really a secret anymore, is um, uh, Tenpenny Parks, which is uh, going to be our our spring uh, Kickstarter, um, which is uh, I, I think is a, a fun um, amusement park uh, building game. So. You'll be creating your your own amusement park, um, and uh, I, I uh, from what I understand, there are a lot of people out there that enjoy uh, like amusement park uh, roller coaster building sim games uh, on the computer, um, and uh, I think this will scratch that itch uh, as well. So that that's a fun one we have, and um, that one's just about ready to go. We've got some expansion material for. Uh, role player adventures already lined up, which is exciting that uh, there's um, already what 12 adventure books, each one uh, two to three hours long in the the box already. And uh, we're all ready to add more. So if, if you didn't get enough of role player adventures um, in 2022, there'll be more goodies coming for that. So we've been play testing uh, those. And then some stuff that I can't really give details about, but I can tell you this, it is not a fantasy role player universe title. Um, I'll just say it's uh well, it, it looks a little blade runner ish. That's all I'll say. I was going to suggest like, you know what you need to do, take the role player system, but give it like a cyberpunk feeling. (laughs) Cause that way I could actually play a cyberpunk RPG. (laughs) So yeah, not, 
uh, it's, it's 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 pretty cool. We've got we've got. Uh, I think people are going to be excited to see it. Um, we're we're starting to work on some concept art for it, and um, I looked at some stuff, and I was looking at some early uh, um, art uh, for um, Blade Runner, and it, it reminded me a lot of that feeling. So that's that's all I can say. That's all I can say about it. <laughs> all right. If you ever want to, if you want to need to do some more research, there's a great uh, book about the history of Blade Runner. Wish I could remember what it's called, but I'm sure if you Google that, you'll find it. <laughs> I'm sure, Jonathan. Right after we all go our separate ways, you'll remember right then. Yeah, I mean, I could I could turn around. It's like eight feet away from me, uh, <laughs> but that's okay. So uh, that's very exciting. I'm very interested to hear more about all these all these teased games, uh, known and unknown, from you guys. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the stuff that Will and I played at our game night this past weekend. We'll start with a licensed game from Funko Games. We played The Goonies Never Say Die, new game based on the Goonies movie. Uh, this is uh, in, a game that takes, uh, it's it's like a one versus all game where sort of like an RPG, one player is the GM. In this case, that stands for the Goondocks Master. And everyone else plays as a Goonie. So I don't know if, I, I guess we're old now. I mean, this movie was, a little before my time already, but uh, people listening to this maybe don't know what the Goonies is. I don't, do people know what the Goonies is? Like, do I have to explain it? I don't I'm know. I'm sure they'll all know <laughs> in 2024 when the remake comes out. Well, they've, you know, they've been talking about a sequel for a long time, but they haven't been able to get it. Together. No, no, it's going to complete reboot. No, don't because you're joking, but I'll actually start talking to you for 45 minutes seriously about the potential <laughs> of a Goonies franchise movie. Uh, so let's not let's not go there. But uh, at any rate, you're a bunch of kids who are trying to find a treasure, essentially, is the way it works. And I played as the GM and I was playing against uh, Will and our producer, Ivan, who were the were the Goonies, the titular Goonies. And the way it works is you're basically moving through uh, a board and as you go, I'll say, oh, that room you're in has this enemy in it or that enemy in it and or some kind of an item you can try to search to get a treasure or something. And you don't really know what the objective is until it reveals itself to you. Uh, and you're doing a lot of checks based on dice rolls. So most of the moves are about, oh, you need to roll a certain number of successes there's also a teamwork element where like if you're uh, near each other, you can give somebody a die so that they have a better chance to get a success on whatever check they're doing. And so I, I'm a fan of I'm not like a super fan of the Goonies or anything like that. I didn't uh, uh, I don't think I watched it young enough, but I still really like it. I think I actually think it's a pretty good movie. And I, uh, I, well, I guess I now have three different Goonies board games technically. So I better be, I guess I'm at least somewhat of a, of a fan. You're going to have to rank them for everyone. Everyone wants this list, Jonathan. Well, there's, and there's a, another one that's, I don't know if it's out yet that I think is more of like an escape room style game. I forget who's putting that one out, but, um, this one was interesting. So I was the GM and it was just our first time playing and there are like nine chapters and they start out just as the movie, but as you go, they get weirder and they start making stuff up for the game. So I guess I'll, I'll just talk about my experience as the GM first. And I think I think as a group, we thought this first scenario seemed pretty uh, tilted towards the players, the, the Goonies side in terms of difficulty, uh, which which I understand and and was fine with. There were definitely a few turns I had where it felt like there wasn't much for me to do, but I did enjoy, 
I, I, I also enjoyed kind of the aspect of feeling a little bit like a GM light and having you guys go to a room and saying, here's what you find and reading the book. I think that aspect was pretty cute. And I'm interested to see like how the rest of the game develops. But I don't, was it uh, much different for you as a, as a Goonie, Will? <laughs> um, I definitely could see like how playing with more people might make some more interesting choices. Especially, like I said, when we were just talking about, like, this is the first one. There wasn't that much going on. But I bet map could be bigger or we're forced to spread out more. Uh, especially if you were playing with more than two people. Uh, two Goonies, I mean. The one thing I'm curious about, first of all, you can rotate, by the way, who's the the GM. Yeah, you don't need to I be the same players much. or anything like that. Yeah. What I'm curious about, because what curious about, what made me curious is less about my role as the Goonie, but part of me made me think like in your role, because you're, you're trying to win. You're not right. like here to have, make sure we have a good they time. They call me the GM, but it is a competitive game. And I know you used a lot of these draw cards. I'm wondering, like, if I was, if we come to the later ones, is it going to be just because I remember this happened in Descent. The second one was to be like the person would just draw until he got the the like the overpowered card, like that. He wasn't really about. Hmm, I'm going to try this out now. It's going to be like, nope, draw three, draw three. Here it is. Uh-huh. And I wonder if it's going to devolve into that i mean this game is much simpler than than descent yes <laughs> talking about the second edition of descent not yes yeah, second edition not the when, new one uh when we chose a a, a very sm- a smart and competitive player to be our our dm in that yeah or but our evil guy yeah but uh yeah i mean that game this game is much has much fewer there are different cards that get added as you go on it's not nearly to the level of like the way you upgrade your cards and stuff in that. I, like, I think they almost share nothing in common other than <laughs> being a one versus all game. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. T- Tim, are you a, are you a Goonies fan? Is this something you might play? So I, I didn't get a chance to play it. Uh, one of our tables at uh, one of our game nights uh, played it and I watched and kind of listened. It seemed like they had a good time. I did hear that uh, uh, the, uh, game master um, does have an advantage. Uh, that's what I was told. So um, uh, that that was the criticism of it. But uh, I mean, it, it's a great IP. People, uh, I think a lot of people have a good connection with uh, the Goonies and it's a fun movie. So um, certainly an interesting, interesting title. Um, whether or not it does anything really different than a lot of other games that are one against many or one against everyone. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I will say it's definitely feels very much just based on the first chapter. Like it's in the realm of this is still accessible enough for casual gamers to, to play. Uh, but, and I think that's appropriate for, for Goonies. It's kind of, I think what you sh- you should have with this license. So yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm still like, feeling it out i don't know if a few games from now i might really love it or feel like it's not that good <laughs> I, I i'm very curious now in particular because i didn't i felt like i did i mean i like we said it was slated but and we'll see what cards get added to it was like the biggest scariest card is if a goonie runs out of was it luck was it called wishes wishes thank wishes. you <laughs> uh you didn't have to pay for a card but it felt like there were the first time you played versions it of that by the way but yeah. i was like okay i remember when i'm like all right, we're holding on to a wish. It wasn't even too hard to hold on to one. It's like only at the very end where you like will 
you used all your wishes. I'm like, yes, I did. You're like, finally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there was other ones. I was like, if a Goonie has this, if a Goonie has that, and you guys were just never met these. I wasn't doing a good enough job whittling you down. <laughs> so the real problem is that I was the GM, you know, <laughs> I'm usually the weak link. Uh, but that's the Goonies Never Say Die. We'll keep playing it and see what happens. We also played Brew from Pandasaurus, which is a game all about restoring harmony and balance to nature. And everyone is competing to claim different forests and put different animals into them. It's a dice placement game. So at the start of each round, everybody rolls all their dice and then depending on what symbols you have, you can put them different places, gather resources, and you're using those resources to brew potions. Uh, and you're getting points from all the different cards you're collecting, which is like these creatures, these forests. That you, if There's also like an area control element. So having more dice in certain forests, you'll claim those for your own. There's a few different things going on, but that's that's the, the gist of it. Uh, well, how about you? First impressions of, of brew. I I mean I like a lot of the mechanics in there with the uh the dice rolling and placement and of course a lot of cute critters that are adorable art. Even though that's really just like four models that they just slightly adjust like since this one does involves a crystal resource, we're gonna put crystals on it. I still love it. <laughs> um we also played, by the way, with the uh I forget what they call, it, but pretty much just these little promo animals that you actually are like your pets, because you most of the animals you you release back into the wild, these you stay with you. And mine was just this goofiest half wolf, half owl thing that just had like the silliest look on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought that the promo pets were, were a, a nice little added touch that didn't, um, didn't complicate the game too much. Uh, but they kind of give you like an extra power that you can do. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, we, we, I, I gotta, I gotta talk about the elephant in the room, which is the, how you destroyed the other players handily <laughs> in a three person <laughs> game. Will's score, uh, was more than both of the other players combined, <laughs> uh, which, um, distressed me. <laughs> it's the thing is, it is a area control game. You're trying to control the forest with the dice. And for the most part, I was not competed with at all. And that just because getting the cards, the areas lets you give more powers for your animals to go into, which getting also them gives you more resources for potions. So I was like, when I would knock one of you guys out or something, get those extra turns at the end, no one would do anything like that. It's the, it's the usual. I do great. If no one messes with me, <laughs> I mean, if you did everybody. like one or two territory <laughs> took from me. I would have probably spun out and tilted. And that would have been the way you, uh, you can easily score up against Stop me. being modest. You're a board game genius. But, uh, I, I had read some people say online that the game they found in their experience for two players, it felt very uneven that like one person would just kind of completely dominate the other person. So I think that, what happened is Ivan and I combined are the intelligence of just one normal person. <laughs> and that's the experience that we had. <laughs> Actually, then it would be a pretty even game. So maybe that's not exactly how it went. I, you know what? I think you're probably sort of right there in a meme, but not to like combine the two. I think because what happened is there are four, I think it was four forest cards each round. Uh, yeah. Something and like that for us. I'm yeah. pretty sure Ivan did not get any in the first two. So, you had to pick up slack 
So almost like a two-player game. <laughs> he also did not make it easy for you because I think he hurt you a whole lot more than me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As usual, it's one of those things I'm I'm slow to pick up on these uh, some of these strategies, but uh, yeah, it's a very cute game, and I'm I'm interested to play more of that one too. That's called Brew. Uh, we're kind of a weird name, I'll be honest, because although you do brew potions a lot, I don't know that I would consider that like the central aspect of the theme. <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, it definitely where you get you can get a lot of points, and that's really I think where a lot of the advanced play would be like. It's yeah. like, oh, I'm going to destroy your die or do this. But I don't know. Maybe it's just my own preferences. For the most part, it's really forests and creatures. <laughs> yeah. You know, harmony oh, and maybe I'll, I'll drink some stuff, too. <laughs> I was I was kind of hoping that uh, it was a game about woodland creatures who uh, make delicious beer. Uh, <laughs> you know, like the, the bears are making like a, a Oktoberfest or something, but. Um, yeah, does doesn't seem to be that, but the the art looks great. Uh, it looks like a, a a beautiful game on the table. So, yeah, it really is some some great art. Uh, so so that's brew, and then finally we played a couple of games from this uh, this kind of this trilogy right now. Maybe there will be more of small card games from Cryptozoic based on the art of a guy named Stephen Rhodes, who I guess has a lot of shirts and merch for sale. It's very, this very retro seventies um, art reminds me of like um, the, I, I think is his name, Jack chick, like the old uh, anti D and D comics <laughs> that kind of have become famous sort of has that kind of look to it. And there's three different smaller card games. We played two of them. Let's summon demons and don't talk to strangers. All these games have a very weird art, weird theme to them. Uh, some more disturbing than others. Let's Summon Demons is basically Machi Koro, except instead of building a cute town, you're you're uh, selling the souls of children to summon demons. And Don't Talk to Strangers is about getting kids on a board to find their way to a home or a school or somewhere safe before aliens abduct them. Really weird uh, <laughs> concepts for both of these. And they're both pretty light, definitely more like a filler style game. Uh, and there, there's there's things to enjoy about about these. We've played the third one, too, at Gen Con. But they're they're funny, weird games. They, they, I kind of compared them to like a Garbage Pail Kids. They're not like that disgusting, but it's sort of that kind of concept that they're meant to be, I think, tongue in cheek. Like they... They seem like they, if you were a parent who didn't know they were kind of jokey, they might look a very offensive to you on a shelf. <laughs> uh, but they're not like adult games or anything, they're just kind of creepy. <laughs> did, you, did you, was one of these that you uh liked more than the other wills right now? Hmm. Um, I liked uh, let some demons. I like the one of the big things you mentioned, it's a lot like Machi Caro. I do enjoy that game, even though it is very random at times that you could buy before you roll. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a small, it's a simple touch, but it's one of those things that is very nice. Uh, especially earlier on. Um, don't talk to strangers. I, I think I want to try with the other born stuff. It had some, the bigger problem is for both of these games had this rule that were like, we're both like, how does this work? This doesn't say yeah. we had to go on Borg and Geek, and then both times it's like, yeah, we forgot to include this in the rule book. This is what happens. <laughs> We're like, I wish that was in the rule book. This is not a small oversight. <laughs> yeah. At least for me, they felt like pretty big deals. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think, I think in some part it speaks to the, the audience of these games too, that they're <laughs> made for more casual players, but yeah, at least one of the things we came across was like that really needed to be in the rule book, uh, to be clearer, but, uh, funny, cute, weird little games that uh, we'll probably be uh, looking at more. I, the kind of thing that I think, even if they're not that great, if you like know somebody who would be into that art, they might make a funny gift <laughs> for them. <laughs> Uh, but I think we'll maybe have probably in-depth reviews for all these games that we're talking about at some point, or at least we'll, we'll, we'll certainly try to. But that covers all of the stuff that we have been playing. A lot of good things to talk about. I think uh, Tim definitely is the winner with Sleeping Gods. That's the big hot one. You got the you got the probably the best title <laughs> of all of us this week. But let's finish the show off with one of our famous ones of these, a board game game. That's right. A board game game. Now, I it's, it's so coincidental and great, Tim, that you brought up Ten Penny Parks because uh, th- this week's board game game uh, happens to c- coincide with with that theme a little bit. It's one that we're calling Pasted On Theme Park. And the way this game works, it's a collaborative game. It's not a competitive game. We're all going to work together to to come up with something. The imagined scenario in this segment is that Universal Studios or Walt Disney World has approached you because they have recently received the rights to a board game IP, and they're going to start making rides, parks, and attractions based on it. And we're going to each try to come up with collectively or individually what we think would make cool theme park attractions for this. And I thought we have to, since we have Tim on the show this week, use the role player universe as our <laughs> framework, because it's not just one game. You, you do have enough there, maybe for an entire park, but that's going to be the, the, the fun of our game today is figuring out what would make a good theme park attraction. Now you said that you've got a, uh, we talked about 10 penny park. So I assume Tim, are you are you uh, in general uh, a fan of theme parks? Uh, sure, yeah, absolutely. I mean, who doesn't <laughs> love a good theme park, right? I mean, yeah. uh, eating uh, you know uh, overpriced uh, corn dogs and uh, uh, riding rides until you throw up. I mean, that's that's uh, that's a that's a that's a perfect day at the theme park, right? <laughs> that's the way to be. So so I'll put it out to anyone. Uh, any ideas that pop into your head, no rules here, stream of consciousness <laughs> from the role. It could be, it could be specifically, it could be like tied to the mechanics of one of the games. Uh, you know, it could be a, maybe a cartographer's thing, or maybe just a general use of some of the characters or creatures. All right. I got one. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, one of the, in terms of amusement kind of things going on, the ones I really wish we, I could go on are the ones like the resident evil one in Japan. Where like they just usher you in and you have like laser guns, you have to run around. So and like, I imagine, a, like, like a walkthrough kind of experience. Yes, but it's like really going. To, I want one like lock up. They send you in. You have to like sneak around, and they'll have <laughs> like you know like patrol guards walking around, and you, maybe you can find like items and presses like an escape room with with people you have to worry about. Ooh, I like the idea of just an escape room based on lockup. That's that sounds pretty good. <laughs> uh, I guess, and also maybe for for anyone listening who, if you don't know, you could briefly explain the role player. Uh, it's a fantasy series that 
uh, Thunderworks puts out. Tim, Tim could fill, fill us in better <laughs> than I could on it, but but yeah, all right. I so, think we'll say check it out. It's worth it. Yeah, well, yeah so, <laughs> well, I I think that's that's perfect. Uh, well, because uh, you know, obviously the the expansion for Lockup was uh, Lockup Breakout. So uh, absolutely, you know, trying to escape from the Kolbach prison uh, would be a, a perfect um, you know immersive uh, experience at a at an amusement park. So yeah, why not? Um, and if you, if you don't make it out, well, you know, you just, you just got to stay in there, uh, for, you know, days, weeks, months, years until you, until you can get out of there. Oh, and of course they set you up in, in, uh, I forget the actual number of groups in your gang and lockup, but like you take a photo so you can actually have tiles of what you're the cobalt, <laughs> sir. <laughs> the bears. Yeah. Yeah. You will, or, or, or you're each part of one group and you get a power number assigned to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, go ahead, Tim. Well, I was going to say, you know, uh, because you often bring along the kids to the amusement park and so you need something you know, a little less adult oriented. So I was thinking, um, what is more popular for, for little kids than the ball pit, you know, where, uh, you know, you throw the kids into the balls and, uh, you know, they try to make their way out. Uh, but you know, of course, what would be, uh, be the role player theme for that? Well, we should just have a dice pit, a giant pit <laughs> filled with all oh, of the different colored dice that come in role player and, uh, you know, the kids just, uh, are wallowing around in a giant pit full of colored dice. Um, yeah, that's beautiful. I, my mind went in a complete, uh, when you said, I thought you were going to be like, it's cartographers. We just have a map where there's like, there's the red ball area. There's the blue balls and the mountains are places they can climb up, then jump in. Uh, yeah. And you'd have to have some of like the, the multicolored dice in there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, that would be funny. When you said, uh, something for the kids, my mind went to a carousel just with all the different, you can ride on top of some, some goblins and whatnot. <laughs> uh, could be good. I, I, I keep, I'm thinking, oh yeah. Is that... I was just gonna Go say ahead. my experience, my experience has been goblins do not like it when you ride on them. <laughs> they, they never, never, never happy about that. So I, I, that may not be a good idea. Well, that's just, you know, that's just because your rolls haven't been high enough, but uh, <laughs> you could, you could mount a goblin if you, if you work it out right. I, I keep trying to think of something for cart for cartographers. I, I do think there's something, maybe that's just like, I mean, obviously if you're at this theme park, that's the theme of your, your little pamphlet, your actual map of the park, yeah. <laughs> but maybe you decide how it's organized. <laughs> that doesn't really make I, sense. I could see it like if there was this, it was, it'd be like a digital like a dance floor for lack of a better thing, like where you walk <laughs> around on it and the steps turn like green Ooh. and they can turn yellow or something. Oh, all right. All right. Yeah. That, that could work. There could also be like a scavenger hunt of some kind. Maybe that's an aspect of it. You have to try to go on rides and spot different, different things that you can see. Uh, and of course, I mean, role player adventures, you could do, you could do like a, a big roller coaster with a, a, just a dragon theme could be just a good roller coaster. <laughs> just, you don't have to, some, sometimes you don't have to overthink it with these things. Well, maybe it's a roller coaster, but a the roller very beginning. coaster. Uh, <laughs> too, that but, was the hanging fruit. So I didn't want to say that, but yeah, that was obviously. Oh, you can point. always count on me to take the low hanging fruit. <laughs> what, what I was going to say is like right beforehand, the people in the, the cur- whatever the cart, is that what you'd call it? Uh, uh, they'll sure. vote on going path A or B. <laughs> so there's like right. so you gotta go back and try out both paths mm-hmm. oh man i'm loving it all right well we're, we're, <laughs> now, but 
I, I think we got to need though, Jonathan, every good amusement park has some kind of food to go with it. Yeah. What's the role player signature dish? Yeah. I don't, is the, I'm trying to think what's the, there must be an item or something. I'm not remembering. In, in role uh, boy, that, that catches me off guard. I'd have to think about it. I can, nothing jumps out as like food item. Um, I bet there is something in role player adventure, like a roast uh, chicken or some, some yeah. kind of a <laughs> cupcake dice. Uh, well, okay. I mean, in it's not, I don't want to spoil role player adventures, but in, in the first uh, kind of intro scenario, the one that's been out on uh, tabletop simulator and so on uh, the, the, one of the characters um, uh, is roasting hair and eating apples. Mm. So I suppose, uh, you could have roasted roasted hair, a uh, leg of roasted hair, and um, some you know apples. <laughs> there you go. I, I, there's definitely going to be, I assume, some crossover like with the Renaissance Fair kind of thing. I mean, <laughs> I hope you can get like the cool helmet and stuff in the gift shop. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. Well, yeah. and so one of the one of the uh, just a, a small, not really spoiler, but one of the. Uh, um, scenarios in uh role play adventures has the the constructs which of course uh people remember from um the from role player one of the character boards is the construct so the constructs are uh basically just giant robots uh mechanical um uh what i don't know automatons if you will um so i suppose there could be some kind of a ride where uh, a giant construct is kind of like a uh, roller coaster slash uh, thrill ride where you're, you know, going up and down on the arm or something like that. Mm. Could be the, um, I'm sure, John, you know more about Mimus Park City, like the swinging boat classic. Yeah. <laughs> the other pirate maybe, ship. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 All good ideas. These are all good ideas. I'm going to be pitching them to Universal tomorrow, <laughs> but I'll give you guys <laughs> some credit. Don't worry. Uh, yes. If they come knocking at your door, these ideas are all yours. I would definitely attend this this theme park. Uh, I guess we would call it. Uh, what is the what's the name of the of the kingdom of role player? I'm, I'm sure it has a name. Uh, it, it's uh, Nalos, the kingdom of Nalos, N A L O S, right. Nalos. So it could be, uh, yeah, Nalos Land. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Nalos Adventures. Yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, I think we nailed it. That's pasted on theme park. Uh, Tim, you've been. It's amazing on this show as always we always like talking to you and you helped us out so much you helped poor roland get through his adventures this week you've gained some experience points yourself and you get to use them right now to tell everybody listening how and where they can follow you and thunderworks games coming up well um obviously the first place would be on our website uh, which is thunderworksgames.com uh, we have all of our titles available for order directly from us. We're always happy to ship those right from uh, our loving arms to your door. Um, and uh, we still have pre-orders open for many of the titles. And uh, um, Kate May just hit the warehouse. Uh, what day is today? Tuesday. Yeah, just hit the warehouse yesterday. So we're, we're shipping those like mad. Um, obviously, the fulfillment for the Kickstarter for role player adventures is already starting to head out. So um, we're excited about that. So if people are still looking to jump on board, you definitely can do that from our website. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook at Thunderworks games 
Um, I'm on uh, Twitter a lot. That's where I hang out in the Twitter sphere um, at Tim underscore Vernig. Um, you can find find me there. And uh, I, I think we do a little bit on Instagram. Uh, you know, we're not down with the TikTok quite yet, but uh, <laughs> you know, all the all the kids are doing it. So we 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 might you might see us soon on the TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I hear I hear the kids love that TikTok with all they their love that uh, TikTok. Their thirst traps. <laughs> <laughs> and who knows what else? Yeah, I saw you just announced also jigsaw puzzles of, yes. of some of your stuff. So that's yeah. that's exciting to me, who is now a, a, a jigsaw head, as people know. It, it's true. When <laughs> yeah. I went to uh, his game night, it was just a box of jigsaw puzzles ready to go on the side. Taking the that's table right. up. Well, I mean, when I mean, we have such great artists and our artwork is amazing. And so what better place to highlight that than um, in a jigsaw puzzle? So we put out uh, uh, a couple of thousand piece uh, jigsaw puzzles, you know, not so big that uh, um, they'll take up your entire house and uh, it won't take you a year to complete them. Um, also included in each of the boxes is a full color poster of the artwork uh, of the puzzle. So you can. Uh, frame it or, you know, put it up on, uh, on your bedroom wall, uh, circa 1970, if you <laughs> still into the posters, you know, <laughs> Oh yeah, they're, they're not black light posters. Although, uh, I should have thought of that. That might've been a good idea, but yeah, those are available as well for, for the holiday given. Um, if you're looking for, for some, uh, for some jigsaw puzzles. Perfect. Well, you know what? You can now like make special blacklight posts for each game and do like convention like promo specials or something. <laughs> I think that I think that'd be great. I, I'm I'm gonna get right on. That. I'd buy it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I love it. Uh, we will put links to all that in the show notes. You can find more stuff from Thunderworks Games. We definitely recommend playing their games if you haven't. We love all their stuff. And uh, if you want more roll for crit, guess what? You can find links to our YouTube content, uh, live streams, merch, and other stuff, as well as where you'll be able to find our extra live stream upcoming on rollforcrit.com. If you really like the show, you can rate and review us on iTunes. And if you really, really like the show, you can support us on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash rollforcrit for bonus podcasts, Discord access, and other goodies. And you can submit questions, comments, or adventures for Roland to face in the future. Uh, to meeplegallery at gmail.com. And I think that's the only things that I have to say before ending this episode. So once again, thank you, Tim, for coming on and hanging out with us. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. And uh, we'll see you out there. Uh, and uh, don't forget, um, you know, may all your roles be high. <laughs> that's beautiful. I love that. May all your roles be high. Uh, I'm Jonathan. I'm Will. And this was Roll for Crit.